Well, good morning, good morning. We talked last week about the encounters with God and how he comes in different ways. It's not the fact that God, the fact that God, how he speaks is that he speaks. He continues to speak. This week, I was pondering processing for, I want to get into why I was, a verse, one of the 31,102 verses in the Bible. How many already knew that? You already knew that if I'd just taken a quiz. 31,102 verses, I picked this one. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you, be confident of that. Josiah and I were talking about it, right? Josiah and I were breaking it down because there's a specific reason why I was pondering this. And while I was pondering this, I usually when we're in my office and main area I, I, in my study, I leave my phone in there. I don't want to be distracted. I don't look at it. I don't want to look down at it. So I'd left it in there. Well, I went in to pick up my phone, and I had a text from a good friend of mine uh, he's been a friend of mine for 25 years, but I hardly ever hear from him. Uh, uh, and, and he just texted me. I hadn't heard from him in months and months and months. And just said, thinking of you, Philippians 1.6. Coincidence. Happened more often. When I pray, coincidence happened more often. When I look for God moving, they just happen more often. And like I told you last week, I realize there are times we say God said it or God encountered, and God goes, that was not me. Quit giving me. That was, I did not do that. I have a feeling he may say that. But I, would, I think he would rather us give him credit for some things than to not give him credit for most. I'm giving him credit for something right here that I think is kind of interesting. We received notification this week that Renovation Church Teaching Podcast was number 73 rated podcast in religious and spirituality podcast in the nation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Of Thailand. Well, we're engaged and influential, apparently. <laughs> I just want to say, if you're listening right now, apparently there are some. Thank you. Reach out to us, please. Who knows what God may be opening up there? Who knows what God may, the encounter that God may be opening up there? Please reach out to us. Let us know. Let us know. Colossians 4, 2 through 6, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, because it is, it's supernatural, it's something mysterious, it's mystical. The mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. 
Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Just so you know, I'm really not going to use that scripture today, but last week I didn't use any scripture, so I figured I'd read it up front. That way I'm off the hook for the rest of the sermon, right? That's not true. Some of you walked away a little bothered last week that I didn't get to the main scripture I was going to use. I just want to make sure I read it up front today. But it is also our launching point. I think one of the things about encounters with God or what I mean by encounters with God, God uses people, uses circumstances, uses word, uses, there's all kinds of ways we encounter with God through all kinds of different avenues. But I think one of the ways we do that is through people. And what's interesting to me, even over time, Paul here is saying it, that I pray proclaim it clearly as I should. I should be able to articulate for the hope that is within. I should be able to give an answer for the hope that is within me. To make the most of every opportunity. In other words, I gotta see the opportunity, one thing. I I gotta notice it. I gotta be in the right place where my conversation is full of what? Anger, frustration, uh, let's combat, no, full of grace. So that means preparation way before I get to the opportunity, right? Let's say it would, preparation before the opportunity. I don't ever do that. You know that. Brandon does it. I don't do that. But I tell you right now, there's some things you need to start planning. So often we want to plan. One of the things the church gets in trouble on is if we've somehow or another built into your mind that we plan events, we, what I mean by plan mission trips, we plan service projects, guess what? Your whole life is that. And that's where we get in trouble is over the years we have somehow or another taken it back from you. What Paul is saying here is not only pray for him and we'll be watchful and thankful or grateful that we're honored. We're honored that God has called us to do this kind of work, all of us. We should be able to proclaim what God has done in our lives clearly. So the challenge for us is, if we're supposed to be witnesses or disciples or proclaimers, Scripture says we're ambassadors, why do we not get up every day with that thought? Why do we not get up every day and say, I'm on a mission? I got a purpose today. Matter of fact, it would help some of your possibly depression to go that you've got a bigger call, you've got a bigger purpose to get up than all the circumstances that are surrounding you right now. So I'm gonna list off some things. I hope they're helpful to you. Then I'm gonna give us hopefully some tools to walk it out. But some reasons why I believe we often don't share our faith. I don't have them up on the screen. I, I just, I'll say them. You can write them down if you want to. And they're not in any particular order, but I'm just going to kind of walk through it. But one of them, I would say the first one is, some of us have been saved way too long. 
We've lost the awe meter. Eric Geiger is talking about in his book, or actually Jonathan Berger also. Eric Geiger is the awe the meter, but, but Jonathan Berger talks about in his book, Contagious. He's talking about thinking and social influence spread, how things spread in our culture, how things get resent out or whatever, you know, uh, that goes viral is the word we use now, of course. Why things catch on. And he gives these studies and he gives insight for different reasons, but, but the biggest thing he comes away with is his research says that articles that drove a sense of awe into readers were 30 times more likely to make the list of the most shared articles. Readers are much, much more likely to share articles that evoke a sense of awe. I know, folks, when I look at us as believers, I think that is one of the challenges. I, I wrestle with it. I'm very fortunate in the way I'm wired that I'm a naturalist, if you will, so I, get, I, I often see the all kind of step back of what God has done in creation and in nature. For some of you, that doesn't really you know, trip your trigger or whatever you want to, however you want to say that. That doesn't make things work for you, but for me, I, I, I'm so glad that it does for me. But there are so many things that we will stand in line for. I mean, I think of people standing in line for the iPhone 14, right? They will stand in line. Used to, even before, they will stand in line to get that next one. And normally, they stand in line for those, for what? Mostly the camera, because you can get a phone that works. But so many people are, are buying these super, super nice phones. There's other things you can do with it. I get upgrades. But the biggest thing is the cameras. I'm impressed with them too. But I'm not near as impressed with them as that 3D camera that I have right here. That I probably never really think that much about. About being in awe of. Of these eyes that I have. That God has given me. And you go, Kurt, that's kind of silly. Well, maybe. But how often do you thank God for your eyes, for breath? Because He holds it. You know, Peter and John before the Sanhedrin, they were ordered not to talk about Jesus, right? What did they say? We can't help it. I am compelled. This has to come out of me. I have to tell about what I've seen and what I've heard. I cannot help it. Their life is on the line. The cross. And we will do communion here at the end. And just in case I forget it, we do have gluten-free on the back side. It's on the back row just so I make sure I don't mess any of you up. cross the remembrance of don't lose the wonder of what God has done don't lose the wonder of what he is doing don't lose the wonder of what he can do The next thing is, I think, for many of us, and I've already mentioned it briefly, is we have no real mission and vision for it. We really don't get up each day with the thought. 
of going, God has called me, because you can read it in 2 Corinthians 5, that he has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Reconciliation back to God, reconciliation back to others, and reconciliation back to our purpose we were here for in the first place. So the reconciliation is not just to him. It's to others. But it's to our great purpose that God has given us, the calling he has put on your life, how he has wired you, all those things. He's reconciling us back to that. And he goes on to say that we, we, are, the, we, we've been, we are his ambassadors. I mean, you think about that in a political realm and what we think about it in countries, that's a pretty high honor. To wherever I go, I represent who? Not me. I represent the one who sent me. So wherever my foot sets down, I'm there to represent the one of the nation, the holy nation that sent me. To proclaim it clearly as I should. What if you got up each day with the thought that maybe, just maybe this day, My testimony, which is obviously part of the divine drama of God's testimony. My testimony today, if I knew how to tell it well, if I had prepared, not planned, but prepared. Sometimes plans fall apart, but preparation, that's when you can act and react, right? Because you prepared. What if I had a chance today as a fam- to a family member or a stranger or maybe even an enemy, that the telling of the story of God's change and transformation of my life may change the trajectory of their life for eternity. How would I get up each day prepared for that? My friend, Brother Paul, used to say, he said, I need enemies He said, because if I didn't have enemies, how would I learn to love them like Jesus told me to? Upside down kingdom, right? I think another thing that gets us in trouble is it is everybody gets a trophy. Are people really lost without Christ? I think the thought that everyone should get a trophy has crept itself into the church. Is that everybody's going to be in in the end. Acts 4.12. Don't have it up on the screen, but here's Peter and John again, right? They are saying, there is no other name coming. You've killed the author of You guys did. You put him on the cross. There is no other name coming. Guess what? iPhone 15 is not saving you. AI, as unbelievable as it's going to be and transform, unfortunately, our, most of our lives in some way over the next decade, which is pretty scary to think about in some ways. It is not coming to save you. 
You can join what other, whatever political party or ideology or whatever you want to do. It's not coming to save you. There is one way, one path, and his name is Jesus Christ. Not everybody's going to get a trophy or a crown. Here's another one for many of us. We don't need another relationship. I tired, man. Our marginless lives. Think about this. What if I shared my story and they came to know Jesus? I don't have any room for them. I have no room for that. What's the church doing? No, 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 no. Don't look to the church. Oh, we can give you supplemental, but very well, you may have to be the one that walks it out with them. Don't have no room. Now, I'm preaching to me today. I just want you to know there's a reason why this is so kind of built up in me because I'm wrestling with it. overwhelming responsibility of mentoring someone in the kingdom stops us many times going unless the church has got something lined up yeah another one that I think that we all wrestle with at times and maybe not everybody obviously I'm trying to give a a, a bigger list here is that we will expose our lives to be examined See, if I'm, going, if I'm working with someone and I keep telling them I'm a Christian, but if I pull them into my life and they see me in all kinds of different places, they may find out that I'm not near what I've been saying I was. So I'd rather just think that I'm something than to begin to draw them into my life instead of me thinking that I will mentor them and be an example for them. You know, Scripture in 1 uh, uh, Timothy 4 talks about Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example. That was the youth ministry all those years in in, in NYI. That was that verse, but set an example. But you know what that means? Set means, literally, translation there is becoming. It's what that translation, I am becoming an example. You know what the example is? I I wish I'd brought a hammer today. I thought about it. It it. It is like you're... It's like you're beating on something and you're making an imprint. It's like you're leaving a mark on them. You're just pound, pound, pound. Your life is pounding into them. You're leaving a mark on their life because of the way you're living your life. Because you are becoming. And what do we say here? We are transformed and what? We are being transformed. Not just a one-time deal. It's not just a prayer we do one time. It is a continuous till we see Jesus face to face. A couple more, then we'll close it out here. And this one I would say is one that many pastors wrestle with, but also 
you as individuals wrestle with is the reason why we don't share the gospel as we should is the intimidation of the culture. For instance, you get labeled, you get shoved in a corner. There's all kinds of things that go with that. We all know that. We're all aware of that. But one of the things I think is also always interesting is, one, the culture, whatever that means, and I know I'm giving you, that's a broad statement. Most often will never hold themselves to the same standard they'll hold you to. The very thing that they, they'll be gray on and they're not sure, they'll be wishy-washy. They want you to have a black and white opinion on it. You either land one place or you land the other. What they don't realize is in the kingdom, especially agape love, we can hold two opposing opinions at the same time. Intention. That's difficult to grasp. For instance, can I not vote for a president? And be mostly maybe against his policies, possibly. Now, I'm talking, I've been voting for 40 years. But still pray for them and genuinely want the best for them and their family and for the country. Of course I can. Can I be opposed, if you will, or be disagree on someone's lifestyle? that I believe is detrimental to them and maybe detrimental to others and very open about that but still love them and be for them at the same time. Well, they say, no, you can't do that. My easiest illustration of that always is my own kids. Can I be opposed to maybe where the path my children have taken? And still love them wholeheartedly at the same time. Matter of fact, it almost may be on almost like like so tangible you can almost feel it. Because in that moment, you realize you better be locked in and praying and and doing. At that moment, you you realize how much you love them so much in that moment. Not that you hate them. Because if if you stay with the world's thought is, if you hate what they're doing, then you hate them. But the culture would tell us you can't have those two opposing things at the same time. How we say it and how we go about it obviously makes a difference. How we posture ourselves makes an enormous difference in those things. Not just the position you take, but how you posture and the countenance of your spirit Let your conversation be always full of grace. Why are we able to do this? And why those who don't know Christ, even those who maybe know Christ, don't really know this? It's because the kind of love it takes, I mean, that you want the, that you always seek the highest good for others, no matter their behavior, that that, that, see, that's a supernatural love. That's a reason why someone who doesn't know Christ and is fully vested and wholeheartedly chasing after him would oppose you on that thought because they look at that and go, yeah, I don't know that love. I know eros, 
I know phileo. I don't know agape. But we're supposed to. And growing in it. Why does these agitating people keep coming into my life? God may be honing you. God may be shaping you. We complain a lot about the culture in the church, don't we? Kurt, don't you, Kurt? <laughs> Even at times, like I said, we fear culture. But the reality is that culture is created by all of us. It might feel as though it's done to us, but it's also created by us. As the church... We have to step into the great issues of life and say, God, we want to be a part of the solution. Our hearts should go out to every single person, whatever color, whatever ethnic origin, whatever physical traits, whatever cultural distinctive lifestyle choices, body art, criminal background, political school choice, whatever that is, no one is out of that. I'm trying to cover everybody. There's nobody outside of that. Everybody's in. Lord, invite us, show us, help us get our head up and be watchful and thankful and make the most of every opportunity. And I'm going to say again, don't just wait around for the church to put together a mission trip. We may, and I think we should, but we need to be helping you, guess what? It happens to be in our vision statement. To raise up influencers through spiritual transformation, to be salt and light where you're engaged and influential. That is a paradigm shift in the church. Is that we try to get all you guys saved so you can come and help us do stuff here at the church. I rebel against that in the name of Jesus, if you can do that. In the name of Jesus. We will do things here. We will be strategic about how we do that. We hope and pray and we hope we'll do it with wisdom and insight. But we need to prepare you to do what you need to be doing where you already are. Last thing here on this part. One of the things is we don't realize this ain't no game. I know it's bad grammar. This ain't no game. We've lost the lack of urgency in the middle of all this. Jesus told the disciples, you say it's four months till harvest. That's what you say. Guess what I say? I say the harvest is now. You, you say it's, you know what, and I'd say the disciples the same way. If I just keep saying it's someday, then I don't have to prepare for it today. But if it's today, to make the most of every opportunity today, then I have to prepare for today I love the message when it talks about the full armor of God in Ephesians 6. You can look it up later. I don't have it up on the screen. Of 
course, Paul's talking about principalities, fires, principalities and powers. He said we no longer fight, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers in the heavenly realm. We don't, you know, if you see an enemy, that enemy, we're not fighting against them. We're fighting against a larger realm. But I love what the message says here on the full armor. <clears throat> and, and Eugene Peterson writes it this way. He says, this is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life and death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. This is no game that you're going to walk away from later and go, well, there'll be another champion next year. We'll have another game next weekend. This is for keeps. This is it. This is the game. Right now. Today. But Paul doesn't leave us hanging in this passage of Scripture. Be watchful. Be prayerful, be thankful. And the first thing I would say as we walk our way out of this message is this. Realize you are not alone. You are not alone. As he said to Elijah, he said, look into the mountains. Those with us are way more than those against us. Often we feel like we're by ourselves fighting this out, but he goes before us. He says in the word, he'll be our rear guard. He's got our back. Have you ever been in a place where you realized in a moment, you realized there was something more going on here? I didn't see it. I couldn't touch it, but something more was happening. There's an old hymn. Sometimes somebody, you, you may not ever see me, notice me up here, but there are times when I'm worshiping, I will look up. And there's an old song, and some of you will know it. It's talking about the angels hovering over, basically the angels over, watching over us. And there's just this moment in my mind that my, my mystical part of me goes, oh, are they just up here hovering, watching our praise? I don't want to freak you out. That's too much woo-woo for some of you. I get it. I get it. But I will say this. You have stepped into, and you heard me say a few months ago, if this is just a class to pass somewhere at the end, and you either get a passing grade or not, you will go about your life as a Christian differently. But if you realize you've stopped, stopped, jumped into a war zone, as a matter of fact, you have, then you need to prepare as a mission, as a personal mission, not as a person trying to pass a class. It does change the way you get up. It changes the way you prepare. I love what Rob Bell says. He says, missions is less about the transportation of God from one place to another and more about the identification of a God who is already there. You know, you've heard people say, well, they kicked God out of school. They did? Man, that was a big drop kick. I have a bet, I'm betting he's still there. They kicked God out of China. 
You think? <laughs> Communism shut God down. They did? They did. Watchful and thankful. To be discerning. What that means is not only you're glad you're on this journey, this adventure that God has called you into, and it will scare the dickens out of you sometimes, just so you know. I'm trying to catch myself on words that I use sometimes because I just said that, and I don't even know what the origin of that is. But last week I said Cooter Brown. How many of you heard me say Cooter Brown last week? How many of you even knew what it meant? One, Paula. Three sheets to the wind. How many of you ever heard that? I looked up the origin of both those. I'm good, okay? You can look them up if you want to. I'm good. But I'm trying to be more careful, okay? Uh, watchful and thankful, he'll open a door to the mystery of Christ. The power to notice is one of the first steps on this mission journey. The power to notice the power to have discernment that God is in this place. I am convinced the Holy Spirit leads in small ways and sometimes large ways. But I think he asks us to be prepared to make the most of every opportunity. And I love, I'm going to finish the quote here from Bell. He said, so the issue isn't so much about taking Jesus to people who don't know him, but going to places and pointing the people to the creator, to the creative life-giving God who was already present in their midst. And what I love about this is my notes here, is that that way we're not the purveyor of God because he was already searching for them. Kurt showed up and man, God did too. No, that ain't, yeah, hopefully he's already there. Anybody ever said this? And then God showed up. What? What are you saying? He was already there. He was already moving in people's lives. Many missionaries go, yeah, there was something way before you got here. Guess what, America? You don't own the corner on God spreading around the world. Thank goodness we know that because he is spreading around the world. And he's not doing it as much here, but he's moving. But he's already here. Except when Ichabod is written over the top of it. The glory of God has left. You do not want that written over the top of you. You do not want that written over the top of your church. That's why you don't see many boys named Ichabod. <laughs> the glory of God has left. He'll just give it to somebody else. He'll just, you're not going to use it? Okay. The last one is this. Take the risk. In other words, be wise and make the most of every time. But take a risk. Christ did. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. 
But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are God to the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death. The other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? I love Paul saying that. Paul's going, what was God thinking? (laughs) Who is equal to such a task? Sure not us. But he's called us. He's equipped us. He goes before us. He's our rear guard. Irv McManus says, by definition, an adventure. And you hear me use that term a lot, a lot here. An undertaking or enterprise of hazardous nature. In other words, it comes with great risk and at significant cost. I've seen in the church a movement over the years to be cooler, edgier, all those kind of things. Okay, we can cuss more now as pastors or whatever. We can drink more. We can do all these other things. Okay, fine. Just because we want to be edgier or riskier and show people how much freedom we have. I would just say if you want to do that, do something that's really valuable in people's lives and be edgy and risky. (laughs) Because I love what McManus says about living on the edge. He says, it's the, it's the epicenter where darkness and light collide. The epicenter of where darkness and light collide. That is where we're called to. Individually and as a church. As we look at the cross, and I'm going to ask the band to come on up as we transition now to Time of communion. As I said earlier, I hope and pray you haven't been saved too long. Or you've lost the awe of the cross. And you've lost the awe of what Christ has done in your life. And not even counting his creation and his, what he has done in, 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 in how he has created you physically, which is miraculous. But God has called us to this great adventure. He's left it in our hands. Who is up to the task? Really none of us. Unless he empowers us. Unless he prompts us and gives us discernment. That he goes before us. We don't save anybody unless the spirit draws them. But we do show up. We do show up. Prepared give an answer for the hope that is within us and I hope when you give that answer proclaim the gospel clearly as you should whatever that is and I hope and pray that it is with a sense of awe because you remember you remember you remember what it was like right before you gave your life to Christ. You remember the struggles of getting to where you are now with Christ. But you're in awe that he would choose you first. That he loves you, calls you friend. 
but he would go to the cross. Won't you stand with me? If you're here for the first time today, thank you for being here. And uh, just so glad you're here. Hope I get a chance to, to meet you afterwards. But just so everybody kind of knows we're on the same page as far as communion. If you would, come down this aisles here to our left, or to, to the center aisles and return back down the middle. That's helpful as far as logistical. And you can take the elements and, again, the gluten-free on the back and return to your, to, to your uh, seat and take them as the Lord leads you. But let me pray for us. And I just ask the Lord today to help us have that sense of awe that drives and compels us and pushes us. Let me pray for us. Lord, we just come before you, Lord. The picture right now of you sitting with your disciples. Breaking the bread and reminding them your body Lord they had no clue exactly what was about to happen but they would remember after the cup which represented his blood that he would shed for all of us we all have a sense of that now they did also later so Lord as we come before you today Paul talks about examining ourselves before we come before the table so hopefully a little bit of the message today Lord the singing just even in this time just to examine ourselves before we come and partake Thank you, Lord, that you didn't make it difficult for us to find you because you came searching for us. Really, all you ask us to do now, Lord, is to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves. That we physically go searching as you came searching for us as you lead us. But Lord, thank you again for times like this that we can come together as a family and partake together around the table. We love you, Lord. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You come as you feel led.